Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, coming to you after a heartbreaking, heartbreaking loss for the Browns against the Raiders in what was a crucial game. If the Browns were going to make the playoffs, they had a chance at victory despite all of their COVID absences, despite some of the things that went on during the game that were less than ideal. They were up 14-13. They could not get a a final stop. And Daniel Carlson made a 49-yard field goal or 48-yard field goal, excuse me, as time expired to give the Raiders the victory and and make the the Browns fall to 7-7. This has pretty much eliminated all hopes of the Browns making it through the wild card. You know, if they win three straight games, including against the Packers, there is a tiny path there, but... Their tiebreakers are are going to be horrendous at at this point because uh, the tiebreaker of AFC uh, matchups has not gone the Browns way. That's that's typically the second tiebreaker after head to head. And you look at they lost to the Chargers. They've lost to the Raiders. I mean, also these teams, they, you know, head to head may be the ones they're in a tiebreaker with. So, yeah, they've now lost to the Raiders. I mean, outside of the Broncos, basically, they've lost to a lot of the teams that they're going to be competing for. So. This one hurts. And we talked about it on the on the pregame, you know, podcast that the Browns needed to find a pathway to 20 points and they and they just couldn't do it. And unfortunately, this defense was so close to to keeping them in this game long enough, but they they just couldn't come up with one final stop. So let's get it. Let's get into it. I think, you know, from an overall perspective, you know, just looking at the game itself, I actually think that the guys on the field, the ones that were playing, played a pretty good game. The problem is the Browns were outmanned. And so they needed a great game. And they just, there were just a handful of plays that these guys, you know, uh, both starters and reserves could not come up with. Just a handful of them. I mean, not, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones had a, a bunch of great plays today. He also had, you know, a, a catch in particular, the one down the sidelines that would have been one of their big plays. You know, the, the corner made a nice play. He punched it out. It's not an awful play by Donovan Peoples-Jones, but that's when you got to secure if you guys are going to pull off, you know, a, a kind of miracle upset like this, right? You know, the the Nick Mullins pass out to Demetric Felton, like that, that wasn't a great pass. It was outside of his catch radius, but he got his hands on the football. Like he got to make those plays and, and they're, you know, I'm singling out those two plays, but there were a number of them throughout the game uh, on both sides of the football on special teams, you know, Chase McLaughlin. I know, you know, he's missed six out of his, his last 11, generally speaking, but you know, it just a 48 yard field goal in Brown stadium in December is not an easy task, right? I'm not going to, you know, say that's, you know, a super high percentage kick, right? You know, Justin Tucker is the most accurate field goal kicker of all time. He makes about 90%, right? You're hoping for about 80%. So maybe that one's more like a, a, a 60, 40 proposition and he missed it. And in a game like this, you just, you can't afford, uh, you know, those plays because they all add up, you know, the defense, a couple chances to get off the field here and there. They didn't do that though. You know, the defense for the most part, was great, but you look at that last play, you know, MJ Stewart, a guy that's not been on the field a lot. He just, you know, it wasn't awful coverage. He was, you know, it, you know, Zay Jones wasn't wide open on, on the play that set up the field goal, but he just, you know, was a step off. And you add all of those things up. It was just a handful of plays here and there that that lost his team the game. As I said, it, 
it was not a bad game for the guys that were on the field. Now they didn't have as much talent as the Raiders did. And, and I actually thought the Raiders had a pretty good game plan, but it just wasn't a great game and they just needed great. If they were really going to pull this one out and you know, it's just one of those plays even goes your way and you've got a different chance or two of those plays and you've got a better chance. So it's, uh, it's tough. It's deflating. Uh, I know Browns fans out there are deflated. I'm deflated. Uh, as I record this, there was, you know, just so many different plays where you're just like, man, if, if that just went one way, you know, maybe they, they could have done it, but you know, uh, I think you know, the place to start, I guess we'll, we'll start with the offensive side of the football. It was pretty ugly for large portions of the game. Let's call it for what it is. I mean, Chase McLaughlin missed that field goal. Sure. But the Browns basically didn't move the ball at all in the first half. You know, they had one, you know, one touchdown driver. They are able to start running the ball a little bit more effectively in the second half. Uh, but, you know, the other touchdown drive was set up by a strip sack from JOK. Uh, you know, they, you know, the, the offensive line, when your offensive line is just that, you know, uh, beat up is that, and I know they had a, a couple of their starters, but, and Betonio played a great game at left tackle, but, they did not ask a lot of their guys in pass protection until, you know, the end of the game when things got pretty dire, pretty much everything was a quick drop, get the ball out. You know, there were a few seven step drops here and there, but for the most part, they did not ask a lot of this offensive line because I don't think frankly that they could, I mean, their offensive line uh, when they dropped back Mullins was under pressure a decent amount uh, and they couldn't run block very well. You know, they, the Browns really only could run to the left. I mean, they got, again, they wore the Raiders down to some degree, but a lot of those first down runs in the first half were one yard, two yards, no yards, you know, backwards. There was not, uh, you know, it, it was kind of the game plan you expected with Nick Mullins. As I said, the the goal was 20 points, and, and if the Browns had scored 20 points, they would have won this game. Uh, and there were just a couple missed opportunities. And I think everybody's, everybody's going to point to this third and three, right? Browns have a third and three. If they convert, the game is over. The Browns decide to run the ball with Nick Chubb. So here's my first thought on that. I don't mind the idea of, of running the ball with Nick Chubb. I know, you know, there are so, this just, there's, it just, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed because so many people for weeks are just like, Brown's got to run the ball more. They got to run the ball more. How come they don't run the ball more? And now, in a, you know, the Browns run the ball in a crucial situation. Everybody's like, how didn't they pass the ball? How didn't they pass the ball? I don't know. If I were them, I probably would have done the exact same thing. I would have run the ball with Nick Chubb. They had all of a sudden started to have some success running the football. They were getting three and four yards of carry the last couple of carries even when the Raiders knew they were running the football. I mean, on first and 10 and, and, and on second down, the Raiders knew they were running the football and they were able to pick up three and four yards. So that's how you got to third and three in the first place. And even if, you know, if the Browns get it to, to fourth and one or fourth and half a yard, maybe they think about going for it and just ending the game too. Of course, that's not how it worked out. Now, my biggest beef with the final play is this. And you could see it as the game was unfolding. And my dad and I were just, you know, I was watching this game with my my family actually uh, out here in Colorado. And we were just saying, you've got to go left. That's the only way they're having success is going left. It's behind Batonio, behind Dunn. And you look at it, uh, you know, this is uh, uh, via Jake Burns. He tweeted this out. And of course, because I was thinking the exact same thing and was going to go find it myself. And then he did the work for me. 
Left side runs for the Browns, 10 carries, 63 yards. Right side runs, four carries, minus three yards. Middle runs, nine carries, 31 yards. And at first you're thinking, how can that be, right? Like they, Wyatt Teller is maybe the best run blocking guard in football. He's on that right side. You know, how can that? But number one, Blake Hans has struggled for the last couple of weeks run blocking. Uh, I think the other thing you look at is the personnel on the other side of the football. Hankins it, it was the best D tackle in this game for the Raiders. He played a really good game. They could not stop him from getting penetration. So yeah, it, the Browns with Batonio and, and Dunn were having way more success. So I would have liked them to run the ball to the left. You know, they did it, uh, you know, uh, earlier uh, on, on first or second down. I can't remember which off the top of my head. Um, and the other players out the middle. So then they ran right, but I would have loved for them to just go back left. You know, the wide zone play, you know, we've all seen it. Chubb cuts it back usually, and, you know, you're hoping he falls forward and gets there. Maybe he doesn't. You know, the Raiders had everybody up and one high safety. I'm sure the Browns were expecting that part. So that's not um, unusual. They just the, – the Raiders put five guys on the right side of the football uh, uh, against the Browns' five guys, and they got pressure. They beat them on that rep. You know, it is what it is. I don't think it was the wrong call. Uh, I You know, again – you can nitpick. I would nitpick and say, I wish they had gone to the left, but the idea to run the football, I don't mind. And I'm not, uh, you know, it, it's easy to play the results and say they should have thrown the ball. I kind of think they should have run the ball. Nick, and Nick Mullins, not only was he struggling, but a lot of the other Browns were, were struggling on short pass situations. He came up with a couple key ones down the stretch. But if you look at the game as a whole, the Browns, when they needed to convert, weren't all that great. So, you know, it, if I'm the head coach in that situation, I'm thinking, okay, or, or the play caller and Alex Van Pelt, who's my best skill player? It's Nick Chubb. Who are, you know, what's the strength of this team, even though it wasn't today? It's the offensive line. Let's try to go behind, you know, one of our best offensive linemen and Wyatt Teller and JC Treader and, and see if we can get it. I can't fault them for that. I can't. They didn't get it. It sucks. And then they had a chance on the defensive side of the ball to stop them, and they didn't. And you know, I think the other thing that people are talking about on the on the last drive is, you know, the decision to blitz, uh, particularly on the last play. But uh, they brought pressure a couple of times, actually, throughout those those last couple of Raiders drives that were pretty crucial. Again, I don't hate it. Um, and I, I don't think that was the wrong call because you look at the situation, right? It, let's provide some context here. Miles Garrett's getting double teamed the whole game. He has not gotten a lot of pressure because he is, I mean, they, they were often chipping him and then double teaming him. I, the, the Raiders came out with, I thought a, a very smart game plan of, Hey, your best players are not going to beat us. Like we are taking miles Garrett out of this game. So you look at that miles Garrett then is hurt. I, I mean, miles Garrett is, is growing at the end of the game. He is not moving the way you'd like tech McKinley on the other side has just torn his Achilles, which is devastating. That was a really brutal shot of Tack to see how upset he was. I mean, this was a career-resurrecting year for Tack, and it seemed like he had found a place with the Browns. So that that really uh, that really sucks, and it was really hard to watch. But you think about that. So you've got a hobble defensive end that's going to get double-teamed on one side. You've got you know Joe Jackson or whoever was in on the other side of things. The Browns haven't been able to generate any pressure. And on the meantime, they're sitting there with, you know, MJ Stewart and Moffitt in the secondary, two guys that do not see the field typically for this team in, in a key situation. So they brought pressure. I don't think that's a bad strategy. I get it. It didn't work. But 
I still don't think it was a, a bad concept to be like, okay, let's blitz them. Let's be aggressive here because when they sat back, Derek Carr also was dicing them up. He, he had made plays with his feet. He had stepped up in the pocket. They were having plenty of problems with, uh, not when they sent four and when they weren't getting pressure on Carr. So I like the idea of, of sending somebody. And again, I don't think MJ Stewart w- had terrible coverage on the last play, but Derek Carr made a good throw and Zay Jones made a good catch and they set it up. I mean, Zay Jones beat MJ Stewart one-on-one straight up. Zay Jones isn't Hunter Renfro. He's not their best player. The Browns took Hunter Renfro out of that play. Zay Jones just beat the guy one-on-one. Like to me, that's not bad coaching. It's not horrible, you know, play. It's just their guy beat your guy because the Browns didn't have the horses. And I know that is, it's not groundbreaking analysis. And I know that sucks to hear, but like, that's kind of how I felt this game went. Like, I didn't think the Browns had a get bad game plan. I thought their their play calling was fine. I know some people were criticizing it. I thought it, I thought they did exactly what I thought they should do. They came out uh, and, you know, threw some off the play action pretty early, some easy shots to get Nick Mullins comfortable. You saw he did not have a great arm, so they tried to take a couple deep shots. He didn't really have a lot of success with it. They wore them down running the football. The defense kept everything in front of them, was able to make a couple crucial stops in the red zone. Like they did everything they could coaching wise, I think, to be in a position to win this game. I thought for the personnel that was on the field, they did a lot of things to keep them in this game. As I said, it was just a handful of plays, five or six of them that they couldn't come up with. And I know, no, it's not cool. You know, it's not everybody wants to to think about, oh, well, you know, I could have done this differently or we could have done this differently to change the result. And my, and my thought process is basically they could have made a couple plays to change the result. And that's about it. I don't think the game plan was bad. And I frankly, I think the game plan on the other side of the football, I know nobody likes to talk about the other team, but I thought the Raiders did a pretty smart job on both sides of the football. I think on offense against the Browns defense, as I said, they took Miles Garrett out. You could see it early on. They were like, this guy is not beating us. And it made the Browns really struggle to get pressure. And then the Browns, again, I thought did a smart thing. They put Denzel Ward on Hunter Renfro a lot, or they doubled Hunter Renfro a lot and took him out of this game. He's their key weapon. I singled that out as a thing I was worried about. And so what did the Raiders do? They went after MJ Stewart. They went after Moffitt a couple of times. They, they, you know, even Grady Williams a couple of times. They're like, okay, we're going to target your weak points. The guys that are not your starters in the secondary. That's who we're going after. Got to respect that. It, it worked as well as it could. Um, and, you know, they ultimately won the game for it. So I thought that made sense. On the flip side of the football, the Raiders did exactly what we thought they do. They stacked the box. They forced the Browns to throw the football at times. And the Browns, you know, were not the most effective uh, moving the football. And, okay, you tip your cap to them. The Browns tried, uh, you know, to to put, you know, with the offensive line shuffling. Like, I think that worked, right? Moving Joel Platonio to tackle, that worked as a decision. Again, so I really, I really have no, uh, you know, very limited criticism of the coaching staff. I've seen a lot of that today, and I just, I, I don't, or tonight, and I, I just don't subscribe to that. I thought they made a bold decision putting Joel Batonio at left tackle. It paid off. I thought they made a couple decisions throughout the game that paid off. They went for it on fourth down and five. You know, if the Browns don't get that fourth and five, everybody's coming in, and, you know, pitching and complaining about, oh, they just go for it again and don't get it, whatever. No, actually, they they showed some stones. They went for it on fourth and five and scored a touchdown to take the lead. 
and of course, nobody's giving credit for them, you know, to them for that because it worked. And then they ultimately lost a game. But I thought the coaching staff did a, a, a pretty uh, a good job in this game on the whole. I really do. I mean, the unfortunate part is, is this. If the Browns had had their full complement of guys, even some of the guys back, frankly, they probably would have won this game. They might have won it comfortably if they had their whole team. And they didn't because of COVID. Something out of their control, out of the coach's control, out of our control as fans. That's why they they lost the game. They did not have the horses. It sucks. It's probably torpedoed the Brown season. Who knows if the Browns would have, you know, been in a, a good spot anyway. You know, the, that Steelers and Bengals games, we'll never know. We will never know how this plays out if the Browns don't have this COVID outbreak. But the reality of the situation is it sucks. The Browns put them in their, themselves in this position by giving away way too many games earlier in the year against, you know, the Chargers, the Ravens, you know, other games not coming out against the Steelers. These are games the Browns could have won when they had their full complement of guys. They didn't for this game. It's unfortunate, but it's the reality where, you know, losing some of those games earlier in the year come back, comes back to bite you because you have no margin for error. They didn't have any margin for error as far as the game is concerned. They didn't have any margin for error on the field. And, and so when a couple of plays didn't go their way with, you know, guys that you wouldn't be relying on, that's what happens. So, you know, th there were uh, some some bright spots. I thought, you know, Mullins, you know, 20 for 30. He was all right. Nick Chubb, you know, really got going. That part was fun. You know, Peoples-Jones was up and down. I think, uh, you know, once again, JOK, an absolute monstrous game from him. I, you know, the, the strip sack was pretty awesome. I thought Denzel Ward, again, awesome in this game. Greedy Williams, they tried to attack Greedy Williams. He was great. Again, it feels like the Browns now have a couple corners that they can rely on. And, and frankly, I wonder if that makes the, the decision about Denzel Ward in the offseason a little interesting as far as an extension, because they've got Newsom, they got Williams. Of course, we'd love to have Denzel Ward back. But I just I wonder if that plays into their minds as well. If they're like, oh, we got we got some other guys back there that, that look pretty good. So, um, yeah, hopefully Miles Garrett is, is that groin. You know, you really worry about that with the game in five days and and now that Packers game is a must win if the Browns are going to have any chance they got to win that Packers game basically the the easiest path is through the division right now the you know ultimately what Browns fans should really be doing besides rooting for the Browns is rooting like hell against the Ravens because the Browns play the Steelers so they have a chance to beat them put a loss in their column. They play the Bengals. They have a chance to beat them, put a loss in their column. They'd also have the 2-0 and head up against the Bengals too. Uh, so, you know, that's really their path to this, you know, the playoffs at this point is through the division is probably the easiest way. There's just so many teams in the AFC picture. You have to assume that one of them or two of them are going to go on a run here to close things out. And then, as I said, you got to root like hell against the Ravens. They play the Bengals next. I think you probably hope the Bengals win that game, as I said, because you have more control with the Bengals. Um, and then, you know, the Ravens play the Rams and the Steelers down the stretch. So root against them and then hope the Browns can win their two division games and then maybe pull off something against the Packers. Now, the Packers look pretty great. There's no denying that. But, you know, the Ravens with Huntley were two-point conversion away from beating them. So is it impossible that the, the Browns could beat them? No. Now they're going to be on the road. It's going to be, you know, five days after playing this game. 
some of these guys will be rested because they, they won't have played uh, due to their COVID absences. And maybe Baker Mayfield will look a little healthier. Maybe they'll come in a little pissed off. Um, you worry, of course, that they might have the opposite happen where they come in deflated. But look, it's going to be an upset if, for them to beat the Packers. I'm not going to say it's not. Just saying, you know, a lot of stranger things have happened in the NFL this season. And the Packers have an, a much improved run defense. Uh, you know, it's the mobile quarterbacks that have given them trouble the last couple of weeks, more so than anything. But the weakness uh, earlier in the season for the Packers was their run defense. So maybe the Browns can run the ball and, and get after the Packers that way. Uh, you know, maybe if, if Denzel Ward keeps playing the way he's playing, maybe they can, you know, match him up with Devontae Adams and hope to at least contain him to some degree uh, on that side of the football. So we'll, we'll see. There's a lot still to come out. Who clears the COVID list? Who doesn't? Uh, you know, and also uh, as far as the injuries are concerned, there's a lot still to be determined. Now, you know, the season's not over, but now it's basically it's close. It's real close to being over. So uh, it's a bummer. I, as I said, guys, I'm deflated. I know you guys are too. Go, you know, have a beer and, you know, take a couple of days off, hopefully from this team and, and from your emotions. And then we'll, we'll get fired back up for Green Bay. Oh, I got, I don't mention one other thing. Shout out to the five Browns that made the Pro Bowl this year. That's awesome. You know, Denzel, uh, you know, all the guys really deserved it. I think as far as the Pro Bowlers, Petonio, I think is, is four straight now. Wyatt Teller, um, you know, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, like all these guys, they, they deserve that the Pro Bowl. Um, so it was really cool to see that those guys made it and I think they, they all deserved it. And then a couple of Browns were named as alternates too. I was a little surprised that Jed Wills was named as an alternate, uh, but we'll take it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chubb Garrett, I mean, it's cool that these guys are all being recognized for their work. And then, uh, you know, Clowney had a great year being named as an alternate treader. You know, it, it's, it's nice that, that these guys are recognized. I, I don't want to focus too much on it more than that is that it's cool. It's great. They deserve it. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. So hopefully those guys can lead the charge next week again, against the Packers and then against the AFC North. We'll just have to wait and see. This has been a tough season, but hanging on by a thread Browns fans. So until next time, two words for you, go Browns.